Hey, my name is Brianna, and you're listening to the FCC Grayson Podcast. God is doing some incredible things here at First Church. To learn more about FCC and maybe plan your visit, head on over to FCCGrayson.com. We hope today's message gives you hope, inspires, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive into today's message. So this morning, we're going to continue in our study on Redeemer. We looked last week at some more of the practical aspects. We've kind of moved along from positional holiness, and now we're kind of getting into the practical application in our lives where this is really hitting home in the way that we live out our day-to-day lives and the way that, uh, that, that we face the world that we live in and we face the challenges that come about, not only with the challenges of, of maybe a, a place of employment, you know, within family, within friends, within different things that we endeavor to do, circumstances and situations. Uh, there's also practical applications and things that hit home with us and that really challenge us in, in our walk with God. And one of those we talked about last week, we talked about shame, about how our guilt, our sin can bring shame upon us. And we looked at how God dealt with the shame that we as believers face in our lives. And we looked out of Luke chapter 15, the story, the parable of the prodigal son, or as I uh, said last week, you know, Thomas and I were laughing and joking, you know, because my main job really is primarily just to rename the parables. And that's, that's what I'm supposed to do, right? So I renamed the parable of the prodigal son. Instead of the, the prodigal son, I, I was at the end calling it the parable of the extravagant father. And that's really what that parable is about, is the father who not only receives the prodigal back in, but he also deals with another kind of a bonehead son uh, that was really self-righteous and really judgmental towards the, you know, the prodigal son. So we dealt with, we talked about how God deals with our shame when we're in him. And I think it's fascinating as we started this study in the book of Genesis, we, we talked about Genesis chapter two and chapter three, which we saw in a moment, this transformation and not a good transformation. We saw perfection fall and give way to sin. We saw obedience fall and give way to disobedience. We saw a rebellious nature coming out in a heart and we've had to deal with that and that's something ever since that moment that you and I continue to struggle with is this disobedience in our lives is this rebellious heart that tends to want to do things our way and to think that we have this all figured out and if God if you would just let me do my thing I would be good but then inevitably every time we do that we wind up falling on our face and I, how, how many of you, and I'd like to see by a show of hands, have done something your own way and fallen flat on your face because of it? That's, that's pretty much unanimous in here. So good, we're all on the same page. And no doubt, whenever we fall on our faces, trying to do things our own way, then this shame comes upon us. This, this, this guilt, this weight, this gravity of shame hits our hearts. And God is so gracious, and he's so good, he's so merciful and loving that even in the midst of our filth, in the stink of our sin, God welcomes us in and says, here, put on my cloak, put on my ring, put on my sandals, put on my identity because you're my child. And that's just amazing to think. 
This morning, I, uh, I, I kind of want to, we're going to move on to another practical application here. We're going to talk about fear and anxiety. We're going to talk about fear, anxiety, and worry. Now, I want to say this up front, just so I'm clear. Anytime that I'm referencing the word anxiety, anxiousness, anxious, anything like that, I am not referring to the chemical imbalances that, uh, you know, that, that are clinically, they're diagnosed, they're treated with medicines. I'm not referring to a medical condition here, okay? So I want everyone to understand that going in, that I'm talking about a, a posture of our heart, a, a lapse in our perspective that brings about fear, worry, and anxiety. So Genesis chapter 3, this fall of man, the more that I think about it, the more that it really blows my mind about just how much things changed in a moment, in an instant. We witness this unbelievable change that takes place. Because if you think about it, last week we talked about guilt and shame. Do you realize that guilt and shame were not a thing until the moment that they disobeyed? They had like zero blueprint for that. They had no grid for whatever it was that they were feeling. This shame and this guilt, they had never experienced that before. And we really don't know how long that they lived in this bliss, in this perfection, in this oneness, in this pure fellowship with God. We don't know an exact time frame. But think about that. You're going through your, all of your life that you've known, and you've never known guilt, you've never known shame. All you've known is perfection and bliss. And then all of a sudden, out of one rebellious act from you, all of a sudden, you're feeling this new feeling. that shame. And then God comes along. He finds you. You're trying to hide from him. He finds you, and then he begins to talk about the penalty for this disobedience, which is separation, which is a chasm in our relationship with God that sin causes. And he also says that not only all of this is going to happen, but today you will surely die. And we talked about at the beginning of this series that it's not only a physical death, but it's also a spiritual death that takes place as well. Can I submit to you and just have you focus in for the rest of this message on the fact that the thought of death never occurred to Adam and Eve until that moment. The thought of physically having to worry about what was going to happen to them never crossed their mind until that moment. And to add another layer to that, they never had to worry about someone that they cared about dying. Because I don't, no, listen, there's times that I worry about, about me. There's times that I worry about, um, you know, I, I've told God the ways that I don't want to die. I, I've, made him, I've made him aware of that. Drowning? Uh-uh. No thank you. Burning? No thank you. But I worry far more about what happens to the people that I care about than what I do about myself. So think about that for just a moment, that in an instant, these new feelings, this new rush of, of things that we have to deal with, that we have to process through, this, this mental trying to grasp of all these things, it happened in a moment. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to be going to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to be reading verses 25 
through 34. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. It's, more, it's not life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And some versions in that in verse 34 say, tomorrow will bring plenty of worries on its own. You know, this is an extremely challenging passage of Scripture. Because I don't know about you, but my, the kind of the bent of my heart is to worry, is to be anxious, is to, to give in a, a little bit to fear. And the one thing that I've noticed is that whenever I am doubting, whenever I'm fearful, wherever I'm worrying, the one common thing about no matter what it is, whether it's my family, whether it's finances, whether it's the church, whether it's the state of the world we're in, any time that I give in to fear, anxiousness, doubt, worry, the one thing that I always can trace it back to is that I have the wrong perspective. I'm focusing on the wrong things. And I want to challenge you this morning to look at these areas in your life. Are, are, are any, is anybody in here other than me a worrier? Like, like I just like worry, man. It's like I, 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 if I don't have something to worry about, then I'm going to worry about not having something to worry about because things cannot be this good. Right? It's like I'm, I'm going to pray for the best I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm going to be expecting the worst. Just so when the worst happens, <laughs> I'm already here. So this whole passage, as we look at Jesus teaching about worry, about fear, about anxiety, understand that through this whole thing, his one underlying challenge is what are you focusing on? What is your perspective and I love this this verse 25 therefore I tell you don't be anxious about your life don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you'll put on is not life more than food and, and body more than clothing Jesus is really beginning to challenge the people's um, uh, what they see as sovereign in their lives what they really trust to be in control of their lives 
Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that probably all of us at some point, through, especially through this COVID-19, you know, I, I remember back in 2019 B.C., you know, before COVID, uh, when, when we all just didn't have that, that worry about, about ourselves. But, man, I remember one time I was at the house. Um, we were, you know, we were at the stay-at-home order, and I was doing some work in my studio in my office there. And for about an hour and a half... It was right before bedtime. I, I was just really overtaken by worry, by, by fear, by anxiety, my anxiousness. It was just really, really high at that moment because I don't know if I had just not thought about it up until that point that my mind had been so distracted or there was something that really just hit me about the gravity of the situation that we're in. And here's the gravity that really hit me. How little control that we have over anything. I think if we've learned nothing through this whole process is that we control nothing. Now, I know some of you are going to go, now, I don't know how I can control not controlling anything. How do I figure this out? I've got to control something, and if I can't control anything, how am I supposed to control that? Don't take away my identity, Ben. Don't do that. But I remember laying down that night and just praying. I still, fear and anxiety, just through the roof. I was just praying, thinking, God, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What's, what's going to happen? If something happens to me, what's going to happen to my girls? What's going to happen to my church? What's going to happen? There's so many things, God, I don't, I'm not, you know, what's... And these questions just over and over and over and over. And then somehow this this peace that passes all understanding and it was almost kind of like one of those uh one of those weight blankets you know those heavy blankets that was just nice and warm there was just something that just kind of settled over me and i just feel like it was the presence of god and the spirit of god going i am in control and that's all you need to that's all you need to be concerned with i am the one that is in control you're not so why are you worrying about it? Has there been anything that's changed in this past hour and a half where you have been on high alert with your worry? Have you been able to change a thing? No. But I am in control. And there was just something freeing about this moment of understanding that my God, the God that I serve, that Abba Father that we talked about a couple weeks ago, like, He is my Father. He is the one who is sovereign. He is the one who is in control. And it was just in that moment that I thought, my goodness, <laughs> O ye of little faith, that God is in control. And then Jesus starts giving some examples Verse 26, he kind of br brings, brings it into perspective for him, kind of brings it into focus. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Yeah, I think I've, I've said this before, but I'm, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that you saw a skinny bird? Think about it. Have you ever seen a skinny bird? Now, we're not counting flamingos. Okay, those things are evil. I don't know what they are, but they, they come from the devil. All right? 
that body held up on them little twig legs. Mm -mm, there's something evil about that. But think about that. Have you ever seen a skinny bird? See, that's why I relate to birds. I'm like, I got you. You know, and he's coming, just coming off of this. Don't worry about what, you know, don't worry about having food to eat. And let's be honest, most of us, there, there's, there's maybe some in here and some that's watching online, but most of us, we've never really had to truly worry about having food. Now, I've worried about what I'm going to eat. Kind of thinking about that right now because I'm hungry. Not going to lie, Trace is sounding pretty good. But most of us really have never truly had to wonder about food or what we're going to wear, about having clothes to wear. Now, I wonder, like on mornings like this, when I'm up and out the door well before my wife gets out of bed, I'm wondering, did I pick out the right outfit? <laughs> she did. Kim did not approve of this one. What's going to happen? <laughs> but Jesus is saying, like, listen, look at the birds of the air. And one lesson I think we can learn from birds and, and moving on from this passage is that they're not lazy. Birds aren't lazy. They're constantly going, working, doing. They're not stagnant. And then Jesus moves into uh, this passage of 27 through 30. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And God is really working our perspective here. God is really working about what we're focusing on, what we see, what we're paying attention to. And I think that we could all learn some lessons from this in, in our lives. And let me just kind of break it down a little bit. We've talked about a few of these already, but how many of you spend way too much time worrying over your finances? I do. And that's important, right? Money's important. That's how we take care of the food. That's how we take care of the clothes. That's how we take care of the bills. That's how we, how we provide things. That's how we put our kids through college, Rachel. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we've got all of these things that we worry about. What about uh, you know, things like our home? What about things like our, our family, our relationships? What about things like our work? How many of us have truly been able to change anything like this about worrying about them or trying to control them? So let me, let me throw one more out at you this morning. How about your kids? How about your children? How much have you been able to change over worrying. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not saying take it lightly because they're, God's, they're a gift from God. Let's remember that. They are not yours as ownership. They are a gift from God. And how many things in your life have you been able to truly change about your kid's life by worrying about them? So God's really, I mean, he's hitting home here. He's really hitting us kind of where it hurts this morning. And then he moves on. After he gives us this lesson of look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the fields, look at all of these things. How much more does God care about you than them? And they're completely and totally taken care of. 
Then he says in verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Understand that God knows. He's in control. He's sovereign. He's ruler of all. And he knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. And then he makes this statement, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And I think that this is one of them that we don't need to gloss over and just take as a simple promise because it should be a very hard-hitting statement for us. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Understand the command here. Seek first the kingdom of God. He can't be much clearer than what he is in this passage. Now listen, Adam and Eve, they knew peace. Adam and Eve knew prosperity. They knew what it was like to be content. They knew what it was like to be in bliss, to be in perfection. They understood these things. What I want us to really focus in on this morning is that how many of you would like to have peace in your life? Come on, just show me you're awake. How many of you would like to have peace in your life? Okay, now, now this is a, a, a really, really kind of divisive word, but we're going to use it anyhow. How many of you would like to have a little bit more prosperity in your life, not only financially, but from a relational standpoint, from a work standpoint? How many of you would like to have a little bit more prosperity in your life? Let's understand something that peace, prosperity, joy, righteousness, all of these things, they're byproducts of our relationship with God. They're not what we seek after themselves. If you're seeking after peace, stop because you're seeking the wrong thing. If you're seeking after prosperity, stop because you're seeking the wrong thing. If you're seeking after control and, and having this harmony and this joy in your life, stop because you're seeking after the wrong thing. These are all byproducts of a right relationship with God. We need to seek Him first, His kingdom, His righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to us. See, the problem that I have is I tend to want to seek the blessings of God instead of God Himself. I tend to seek after the promises of God instead of seeking after my Father who loves me. And understand that these are not bad things. God wants us to have these things. He wants us to walk in supernatural peace that passes all understanding. He wants us to walk in supernatural prosperity. I want you to soul as you, I want you to prosper as your soul prospers. But these things were never intended to be our focus and what we seek after. That honor belongs to God and God alone. So if you're in here this morning or you're watching online and you are seeking after prosperity more than you are God, that's an idol. If you're seeking after peace more than you are after God, that's an idol. If you're seeking after position more than you are God, that's an idol. If you are seeking to 
climb a ladder, if you're seeking to gain more finances, if you're seeking to get your child positioned just right or to shelter them from everything, if you're seeking anything other than God, no matter how noble the quest may seem, no matter how right and how morally correct it may be to you, if you're seeking something first other than God, you're seeking the wrong thing. And it's an idol. And I just challenge you to read the Old Testament and see how God feels about idols. But read the New Testament, see how God feels about idols. Anything you put ahead of your relationship with God is an idol. So, fear, worry, anxiety, because usually if we idolize these things, if we set these things above our relationship with God, then we worry about them. And it's typically, the, let's, let's talk about things for just a moment. Have you ever noticed that kind of the nicer things that you have, the more you worry about it and the more picky you get? A couple of examples. My, my, my daughter knows this now, and she gives me a hard time about it, but I love to mow. Many of you know how I feel about dandelions too, okay? So I'm, listen, this is, this is a moment of, this is apparently, Kevin, this is my morning of confession here, okay? I don't like flamingos, you know, I don't, I don't like dandelions. So I'm just kind of clearing my conscience here this morning. But one of the things is I love a nicely mown lawn. Like I love to be able to walk outside and go, look at those lines. Perfect, aren't they? Look at that. I've even been known to drag my daughter out of the house to go, hey, come here, check that out. It's real nice right there. But you know, I haven't always been that way. You know, I, I always, you know, I, I used to really enjoy uh, watching my grass grow higher and higher and higher um, because I, you know, had to push mow it. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm not a caveman. I'm not going to push mow my lawn. <laughs> It's a joke. Okay, I didn't really mean that. But I got a nice new mower. I got the equipment to do it. And now I'm that old guy sitting on my front porch. Get off my lawn. You know, don't, don't mess with the lines on my yard. If somebody, oh my goodness, if I mow my grass and somebody pulls a car into it and not into my driveway. Let's think about a car for a minute. How many of you have ever had that old clunker, that old beater, that it really didn't matter what happened to it? Somebody may have bumped into it or leaned on it too hard, and you're, they're starting to apologize. Oh, I'll help you fix it. And you're just kind of like, don't worry about it. Bam! See that? Doesn't matter. Just go ahead and drink your tea in there. No, no. Oh, you spilled it. Don't worry about it. Hard telling what else is on that carpet. Look, it's got a hole in the floor anyhow. Tea probably just fell right on out. Yeah, you have that. You're like, I don't care. You get that new car. Then you start giving the stink eye to anybody who even looks at it wrong. Much less if somebody kind of wants to come in there with a drink or with, with food or something. For some reason, the nicer the things we have, the more we worry about them. But understand that while it's nice and good to be able to take pride in what we have and to maintain it well and to steward it well, if those things ever become more of a focus in your life than God, then your perspective's wrong. Please know that the enemy will cause you to worry. He will do everything he can 
to try to get your focus off of God and on to things of this world, idols of this world. So your worry, your fear, your anxiety will just continue to grow and grow and grow because the more fear, worry, and anxiety that we have that we do not lay at the feet of Jesus, the more distance we have away from Him because we begin to try to take control of areas that are rightfully God's and not ours. So what are some things that we can do about things that we can't control, about this fear, this worry, this anxiety? I want to close with this this morning. If you have your Bible still there with you, turn to, to 1 John. It's towards the back, near Revelation. We're going to read this. It's chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And I want to read this through the lens of trusting God, not worrying, not giving in to fear. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 7, man, that if we walk in the light and he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how does that verse apply? Have you, I remember when I worked for Marathon, I worked in the engine room, and when we weren't, um, you know, building tow or pumping off a barge or, or taking, you know, making a lock or whatever. Most of the time we spent painting. And when I worked in the engine room, I would paint a lot. I mean, there are areas that you never even know exist in an engine room until you start painting them. And the, the guy I worked for would say, hey, when you get done, when you get finished painting, come get me and let me know. I'll check it out. Like, All right. So I turned, you know, everything all I wanted to see as well as possible and I'd get done painting and I'd go and get him. And he would walk down there, and he had like this uber-amazingly bright flashlight. And he would walk right up to the wall, and he would turn the flashlight on, stand about that far away from it, and go, nope, miss some spots here, miss some spots here, miss some spots here. You see, what had happened was, is the, more, the greater the amount of light, the more it revealed imperfections the more that it revealed what was wrong, the more that it revealed what I had overlooked. And make no mistake about it, God is the ultimate source of light. God is the ultimate source of light. And if you truly walk in Him, then these areas are going to be exposed. If I'm being really honest with you, I've fought a battle for the past four days with an area inside of me, inside my heart, I didn't even know existed. And it's been burdensome. What happened? Nothing. Nothing major. But one that, that you could see with your eyes. But what did happen was God shined a light in my life. And he said, you see that spot? There's an imperfection there. That's not right. I need you to go back and, and take care of that. I need that 
to be covered. And one of the ways that's happened, and as soon as, as soon as that happened, I called up one of my trusted brothers and I said, man, God just revealed something to me. Here's what it is. I, I need you to pray. I need you to pray. Having that fellowship, being fully known, walking in the light, not trying to hide anything. Understand that there is nothing that you can hide from God. Adam and Eve tried that, right? Whenever they fell, they realized that they were naked. They fashioned one cloth for themselves, and then when they heard God walking through the garden, they hid. They were trying to hide something from God, but He requires us to be fully known, not only to Him, but to our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. So if you're here this morning, if you're watching online, and you do not have deep fellowship with at least one, preferably more, of one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, I'm encouraging you that is part of dealing with your fear, your anxiety, and your worry, is to be able to have someone to be able to confide in, to be able to be fully known. And, and make no mistake about it, if you're, if you're 99% known, you're still not fully known. There's still that 1% that's hidden. Now listen, I understand the dangers that come with this. I understand the pitfalls that come with this because you have to fully trust someone. You have to open yourself up and you have to become vulnerable to them. And when you become vulnerable, then you run a risk of getting hurt and getting hurt badly and getting cut very, very deeply. But walk in the light and have fellowship because that brings about less fear, less anxiety, and less worry. So keep your focus on God. See it in a perspective from a heavenly perspective. This that I'm walking through right now, and this is what I ask. Um, whenever I'm going through something, I will ask God, God, please show me how you see this situation. How are you looking on this? Not me, but I want to know how you're looking on this. And then seeing this fellowship deepen with our brothers and sisters in Christ.